Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Greg Matzik. Still in the studio here. This is a really big sports day because we've got Milwaukee Brewers baseball coming up, the opening day against the Chicago Cubs, to which, again, I get a roof because it's going to be kind of crummy down <laughs> right. there. But but also in, in basketball because tonight is the final home game for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they play the Boston Celtics. And what I find to be so interesting is – this year in the Eastern Conference, there's really not a top team. They're, they're all kind of bunched together. Miami's probably going to come in first, but Philadelphia, Boston, and the Bucks all have the same record with three games left. Yeah, the reward for finishing first is that you might end up playing the Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the playoffs, <laughs> right. a team that has struggled all year, but certainly no lack of talent on that team. That would be a dangerous number eight seed. Yeah, I've never really seen anything like this. The, the standings as of today... It is a jumbled mess, and, and this is typically the case in the Western Conference because that conference historically has just been the more dominant conference. I, I don't know that the East is more dominant than the West this year. It's just more competitive throughout. Uh, the top 10 teams are all still in play here for a playoff berth. So you know the participants, it's a matter of seeding, and that's going to go down to the wire. So nothing has been determined in terms of who is going to play where, but you kind of know the, the interested parties, the parties that will make up the postseason. I, I also get the sense that that, that home court advantage while important, might not be as, as big a deal. Like For example, there have been a couple games where certainly the Bucks. you got the idea that they rested their starters, that they, that they you know, that like the game against um, the Clippers the other night. You know, they're kind of playing the B team, as, as it were, and it was kind of like, well, if we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. I mean, is, is home court advantage, given how close those teams are, is it really not that significant this year? Yeah, I, I think the Bucks proved that you don't need it. Right. Last year, remember, they went on the road uh, to Phoenix, and Phoenix had the better of the two records at the end of the season, and Milwaukee was still able to win that series in six. So, you know, Mike Budenholzer said it after that Clippers game. He prioritizes health over wins at this juncture of the season. So play the right way. Make sure you've got everybody you need, all your horses ready to go for the postseason. And it's a talented team that is relatively drama-free. They just don't seem to blink, Jeff. And that's what right. I love about this team. There's drama with all the other teams surrounding the Bucks in the Eastern Conference standings, with the exception maybe of the Celtics. Yeah. But the Bucks just don't blink, and they've been here before. So uh, I think we learned that last year. They kind of stumbled at times, but got hot at the right time, and then it led to a championship. So tonight's game against Boston is, is relatively big, because as we were talking about, they've got the same record. If Milwaukee wins... They then would be one game better than the when than the Celtics with two games left and that, they're on the road but they're playing teams I don't think that are that great the last two games so yep. big big win if it, presumably since they hold the um, tiebreaker with Philadelphia if they win tonight they're probably most likely going to come in second in the Eastern Conference it, it's kind of what it looks like here look, looking at the win. schedules down the stretch so, but here's the interesting thing so if the season ended today the Bucks as a number three seed would take on the Chicago Bulls. And they beat the Bulls five right. straight years, right? Right. <laughs> right? I mean, it, right. it has been a while since the Bulls have beaten the Bucks. So, although no uh, love loss, I, I watched some that of that is game. True. There's just there's, it's clear there's no love loss between those two teams. No, that is true. I think Chicago got them a couple of years ago in Milwaukee, but the Bucks just do not lose in Chicago or haven't since Mike Budenholzer took over. So you look at that matchup and say, okay, as a number three seed, I like that matchup against the Bulls. 
maybe more so than I like the potential to have to face the Brooklyn Nets if they end up with the number seven seed and the Bucks are the number two. So this is kind of the interesting thing to watch here. Will teams you know, manipulate their lineups <laughs> to sort of force their seeding if they like an opportunity to be you uh-huh. know, the number two, the number three, or the number four versus some other seed where you might run into a higher quality opponent? Interesting. Kind of tough to do that, I would imagine, because there's just so many variables. It is. You're right, because every team is in the same situation, and you're right on the tiebreaker. So the Bucks own the tiebreaker over Philadelphia, so if they finish with the same record, the Bucks would get the higher of the two seeds, which could yield a, a higher quality opponent. You never know. So the play-in tournament really is the wild card in right. this whole thing, and the way they structure it is interesting, but if you're the number one or two seed, you don't really know at the end of the season who you're going to face. That playing tournament has to play itself out before you understand who's coming to your city. You know, the other interesting thing about the – well, there's many interesting things about the NBA, but one of the things that struck me was the absolute collapse of the Los Angeles Lakers. Isn't that you know, amazing? Holy smokes. $150 million payroll, LeBron James – Arguably, you know, the best player in the league or one of the better players in the league. Um, the Anthony Davis, they spent big money for Russell Westbrook, who's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame as well. And they, they're they not even going to be in the play-in tournament. The Lakers have just completely fallen flat. Yeah, they were projected by many to be one of the top three teams in the West uh, because of the star appeal that you just mentioned. I mean, that that's Hall of Fame caliber players. But they're not all playing like Hall of Famers. And that's the problem. And when you're paying those guys as much as you're paying them, there's a drop-off uh, with the bench. And that is certainly the case with the Lakers. But that has been a diabolical disaster all season long. At, you know, One of the, the newspapers I regularly read in preparing for the show is the L.A. Times. And I've had, I have admit it's, it's, it's schadenfreude, as, I'm, as I've been reading all year, about just all the hand-wringing and pearl-clutching and the frustration because you've got all these stars and – um, they, they had some injuries, but every team has injuries. And there's the frustration that people don't understand why they, why they lose as much as they've lost. So what happens next is that they fire the coach, even though it's LeBron James who is really coaching the team and right. acting as general manager. If LeBron wants somebody, he raises his hand and says, give me that guy. They do everything they can to get that player in to play with LeBron. And he's kind of the coach, the unofficial coach of that team. So to me, this is a lot on his shoulders. Even though his numbers are okay, he's not been able to lift this team like he's lifted others. And this is arguably a more talented team than others that he's lifted. Um, His numbers are still there, and he'll likely catch Kareem at some point and become the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Uh, But this was was not projected. (laughs) Just to be a top-10 team is not that challenging. Right. If you have LeBron James on your squad to be a top 10 team, they can't even do that. Yeah. I, they, they are in the, they are what, what, 18 games, 17 games below 500. Yeah. Which yep. is a mess. It is not showtime. Okay, and of course, the other story is Brewers baseball starts today. The home opener is next Thursday. We're going to be doing our traditional broadcast from um, American Family Field, and I'm sure you and I will have a chance next Thursday to chat a little bit about what the season's going to look like for the Brewers. Yeah, this will be an exciting season. They, uh, there are expectations going into this season. MLB.com has them listed as the number four team in their annual preseason power rankings, for whatever that's worth, but they are considered to be the best team in the division, along with the Cardinals. Cubs are in kind of a transition year but it, it kind of an interesting team. I think the Reds and Pirates are in rebuild mode. Right. So to me, it'll be a two-team race with the potential for the Cubs to kind of annoy the top two teams. Right. Uh, 
But Brewers pitching is as good as I have ever seen it in all my years covering the Brewers. I mean, just as an outsider, I think, you know, it, so much depends on whether Christian Yelich plays like the Christian Yelich of a couple years ago or whether he plays like the Christian Yelich of last year. That's a big deal. Keston here, I would put into that situation as well. You were counting on both last year, and, and neither really did much of anything. Um, and both had solid springs, so we'll see if that translates. But could Yelich be as hot as he was a few years ago? I don't know if that's even reasonable to think. But if he could be a 280 hitter, even, and have some pop. power back again. You know, yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, it, just, he, it, it turned into a, you kept him in the lineup because of what he had done in the past. But he became kind of a, a hole in that lineup, which you never thought was going to happen. But it did last year. So a confident hitter is a good hitter, and hopefully he's got that confidence back. He's Greg Matzik, back with more of the program in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Brewers baseball coming up, well, in less than a half hour or so. An update on a story that we talked about yesterday. And again, it's one of the things that frustrates me is just the senselessness of all the violence that goes on around here. And in many cases, I still think we're continuing to ask the, the wrong questions. Now, the, the, this is the story involving the two Wauwatosa police officers who ended up shooting and wounding a, a 17-year-old the, the other night during a stolen vehicle investigation. Well, well here, here is the, the story. There's a car that is reported as stolen. So the police are driving around. They see this particular car that is reported as stolen, and it's it's down an alley somewhere. So what they do is they go, they find the car, stolen car report. They get out of the car, two Wauwatosa police officers. There's an occupant in the car. There's one person in the car. They instruct the person to get out of the car, and as it turns out, the person gets out of the car, he's got a gun. And right now, the, the details, it's under investigation, they're a little bit unclear, but it's, it's, they have body cameras, we're going to see this. And apparently, the, the person who gets out of the car has the gun, they order him to drop the gun, surrender and stuff, he doesn't, he charges at him, and both officers shoot, don't know how many rounds they shot, but, but they, they, wound, they, they wound the person that was in the car with the gun. Turns out, it's a 17-year-old. Now, what, what's even becomes even weirder about this story is the car had been reported as stolen. So the police think think it's stolen. But I, I guess the, the dazzling detail is the people that reported it as stolen had recovered it. I, and I, I don't know the circumstances. They had recovered the stolen car, but they hadn't told anybody that they had recovered the stolen car. So law enforcement, you know, they, they don't know that it's been recovered or not. They don't know if they're still supposed to be looking at it. So you get this other weird sort of factor that, that's that's in this. But the, the overriding story behind this and the question I think that we, we need to continue to ask is, what is a 17-year-old? doing out on, on the streets at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday night, armed, you know, with, with a gun. Now, in this case, the 17-year-old apparently did not steal the car because the car had been recovered from, from the owners. So, but nobody, the cops don't, of course, know that. All the police know when they roll up is, hey, there's a stolen car, there's a, somebody in the car who refuses our orders and gets out with a gun. What is a 17-year-old doing with a handgun in the first place, whether the car is stolen or not? All these weird sort of circumstances. But if you were listening to the program yesterday, one of our segments were, you know, where where are the parents on, on things like this? And I think that that does become a, a fair question to ask, because if you look at the absolute 
crazy number of car thefts and reckless driving. So much of it is being conducted by juveniles. It's tough to get a handle on this, but of the 10,000-plus cars that were stolen in the city of Milwaukee last year, and we're on a pace to have just as many stolen this year, it's it's mind-blowing. The estimates are about 60% of those vehicles are stolen by people who are under the age of 16, and about 70-plus percent are stolen by people under the age of 17. It's just it's this staggering game that's being played out there on the streets. And then, of course, it's not just the car thefts, but then it's the reckless driving, and it's you know the, the people who are you know driving around and carrying the guns, like this particular situation. But you do kind of wonder, you know, what's going on in, in a family situation? Because I, look, I, I recognize that I grew up in a different time. You probably grew up in a different time as well, but. It's mind-boggling to me to to think back on my childhood and to think that when I was 16 or 17 years old, I'd be sitting in a car that had been reported stolen at 1030 at night or 11 o'clock at night on a school night with a handgun, you know, and then when the cops roll up, you, 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 you don't... You don't obey their commands, at which point, you know, nothing good can happen when that all that all occurs. But you've got, again, story after story after story about police officers who are put in these uncomfortable and difficult situations. And I guess when the scrutiny comes, and you know that there's going to be scrutiny about these two Wauwatosa police officers who ended up firing shots, to me, it, it's fair to judge, okay, did you need to, did they need to pull their guns, did they need to shoot? But at the same time, isn't the overriding question, what was going on in the first place that put these police officers in this situation where they needed to draw their weapons? In other words, you know, why do we have 17-year-olds that are sitting around with handguns, you know, in the cars, out on the street at 11 o'clock at night? Nothing good comes from that. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Brewers baseball in about 20 minutes or so. The road opener, normally the Brewers open at home, of course, because you've got Miller Park and you've got the roof uh, because of the lockout and delayed start to the season. They open on the road in Chicago, and it looks like the game is going to occur today. But again, it's probably going to be cold if you're sitting out there. The Brewers' home opener is, of course, one week from today. And if you've not listened to us before, you really need to tune in on our home opener day because we do it right. It's going to be a lot of fun. My show will originate from outside American Family Field from noon till 3 next week. One of the interesting things to me about the Russia invasion of Ukraine has been the way it's shifted and shaped the world order. For the longest time, Germany was really economically getting in bed with, with Russia. And, you know, Germany remains very, very dependent on the, the oil and gas that Russia produces. But I think one of the things that you're starting to see is the atrocities that Russia has committed are really, I think, pretty much driven Germany away from Russia. Now, we all know about these reports about the atrocities that they're finding as the Russian army is pushed back from the key city of Kiev, and and they're finding all these examples of mass graves and civilians who are with their hands tied behind their back and all that. Well, Russia, of course, denies that. Russia is, we we did not do that. These are all staged sort of things. Or if it's not all made up, it's stuff that the Ukrainians did themselves, you know, after we left. And of course, you've got satellite photos and you've got, um, you know, testimony from victims who saw this. And you all know it's bull. I mean, Russia is the Russian army or a bunch of monsters. Vladimir Putin is a monster. But one of the interesting things is Germany is apparently has 
what they've done is they've intercepted radio communications between Russian soldiers. And in these radio communications, apparently the soldiers are discussing how they have carried out indiscriminate killings in Ukraine. Um, they, they apparently have taped things about how Russian soldiers described how um, they would question civilians and then they would shoot them. And apparently it's pretty compelling sort of evidence, again, underscoring what monstrous atrocities are being committed by Russia. And I think further raising this whole question about, you know, how how Russia can ever be allowed in the future to participate in the UN Security Council, in any sort of, of activities involving civilized nations of the world. And, you know, Germany has the latest example of just how terrible this has been. What an incredible miscalculation by Vladimir Putin, and what an incredible crime against humanity. WTMJ and Jane Matinair are teaming up with the Brewers Community Foundation to collect pet supplies for the Wisconsin Humane Society. Join Jane on Wednesday, April 13th, that's the day before the Brewers' home opener, from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. outside Halfair Field. They'll be collecting dog toys, canned and dry food for cats and dogs, cat litter, training leashes, and doggy treats. For more information, go to WTMJ.com. WTMJ Cares, sponsored by Gruber Law Offices. Yeah, that is very, very cool, and uh, hope you can participate in that. All right, it's back. I'm not talking about baseball. Interesting story today. Apparently, it, if you, we, we talk a lot about on this program about M- Milwaukee traditions and things like that. And and if you like me, you know, grew up in this community, you remember all these things that were just complete and total like institutions, whether it's restaurants or, or bars or shopping centers or whatever. And you you never thought that they would go away, and yet they they did end up going away. And one of the things that happens is once one of these institutions goes away, they rarely, rarely ever come back. But every once in a while, that is not the case. Now, what is a very, what is a Friday night tradition here in southeastern Wisconsin and Wisconsin in general? Well, it, it is a fish fry. And I know, because we've talked about this before, you have your favorite fish fry. So almost everybody, you feel strongly about, hey, this is the place. And some of you like to go to big, famous restaurants, or you might have that little corner bar that, you know, does the, the fish fries. And some of you like perch, and some of you like haddock, and some of you like cod, and some of you like all-you-can-eat beer-battered fish. It, it doesn't matter. It's one of the things that brings us together. Some of you like to go to the places and have your old fashions with brandy before you have the fish fry. And it, it's all these different Different things, and we all have our favorites. One of the institutions when it came to fish fries around here was American Serb Hall on, on Oklahoma, Oklahoma Avenue. And, and Serb Hall, for years and years, it, it was the go to place for fish fries. And they'd have a, a they had, would have a huge dining room, and they'd always serve their, their food. It would be family style. I can remember you'd be at a big table, and they'd bring out, and of course, it was all you can eat fish, and, uh, and then they'd have all the trimmings along with it. You know, just absolutely tremendous fish fries. Serb Hall was also the place where any politician who came into Milwaukee, you know, that that was the place that you'd go and you'd have like campaign rallies that were at Serb Hall. Well, OK, Serb Hall started having, you know, a, a number of 
um, issues with like declining attendance and things like that. And, and ultimately, Sir Paul ended up closing, and they, they, they shut down the restaurant, and they stopped doing the fish fries. And then, of course, COVID hit, and it made it even more difficult for people to, for, for businesses to be open. And so as a result of that, um, Sir Paul hasn't been serving their famous fish fry since April of last year. And I have to admit, when they announced that they had stopped this, I thought that was pretty much the end of it. But but here's the announcement. It, it's back. Um, according to the Journal Sentinel, the Milwaukee tradition that is the Serb Hall fish fry is returning Friday with drive-through only. Thank you to all our loyal Serb Hall customers. The Facebook says, we will look forward to serving you again. So apparently Fridays, only Fridays, they're going to offer their drive-through fish fry from 3.30 until 8.30 p.m., featuring fried and baked cod as well as Serbian-style fish fry. Um, Chicken fingers will also be available, and they've got all the different trimmings that are there, French fries, mashed potatoes, Serb Hall coleslaw, rye bread, all those things, clam chowder, et cetera, et cetera. So um, they're, they're back. Um, at least at least for a while. Who knows how long this is going to last. And again, the dining facility itself for, is not open for indoor dining. But if you are like so many of us that, you know, grew up going to Serb Hall on occasion and taking advantage and enjoying the fish fries and stuff like that, and you were disappointed when they ended up closing down, well, they're, they're back. Don't know how long it's going to be. Don't know if this is going to be something that they're just going to be able to sustain for, I don't know, a few weeks as we move through the remaining Lent season or stuff like that, or whether it's going to be something that they're going to be able to sustain through the entire summer and moving forward, because the building is, I think, still for sale. But the bottom line is, if you— like me, we're a fan of the, the old Sir Paul. You remember those good old days, and you remember the, the all-you-can-eat fish and stuff like that. It's back, at least in a variation. It's back because, I guess, popular demand, people seem to think that there's going to be an interest. So consider that for tomorrow and for future Fridays. All right, I am out of time. Brewers and Cubs coming up in just a few minutes. It is the start of the 2022 baseball season. I admit I'm jazzed. Hope the Brewers do really well. I'm back 12 noon tomorrow when we do this all again. Have a great Thursday. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.